afraid. You ready? Thank you. I've got to hold this. If you have your Bibles, look at Luke chapter 1 and verse 33, please. And then with your other hand, find Psalm 89. Psalm 89. Luke chapter 1 and verse 33. I know it's been a while since we uh, ministered on this subject, but our title is, What is a Godly Man? What is a godly man? We said our purpose was to discover God's original plan and plan and purpose for true manhood. To challenge you as man of God to become the husbands, fathers, and leaders that God intended you to be. And uh, there's a scripture in, in 1 Corinthians 13, and I guess this is our foundational scripture. It says, When I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away what? Childish things. So that means we should grow up, we should talk different, shouldn't we, than a child. We should, you know, understand things differently. We should think differently. And we said our central truth is God is a generational God, and often the purpose for a man's life is to be fulfilled in his seed. Now that's important because that's what we're going to talk about today. God is a generational God and often the purpose for a man's life is to be fulfilled in his seed or by others into whom he's imparted vision. Now I ask you to look in, in Luke chapter 1 and verse 33. And this is in reference to Christ's birth that was announced to Mary. It says in verse 32, it says, He, or Christ, will be great and will be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, verse 33, and he will reign over the house of Jacob for what? Forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Now look at Psalm 89. And that's what I want you to remember. His kingdom, there will be no end. Psalm 89, it says, I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. Verse 1, with my mouth will I make known your faithfulness to what? To all generations. So that goes along with what I gave you in Luke. His kingdom is for how long? Forever. So then that establishes the fact that God is interested in all generations. All generations. It goes on, it says, Your seed, in verse 4, I will establish forever and build up your throne to what? All generations. So God is a God of what? all generations. Okay, now look at Psalm 45. I'm, I'm kind of laying a groundwork here. I'm giving you some, some scriptures to substantiate what I'm giving you this morning. Psalm 45 and verse 16. Psalm 45, 16 states, Instead of your fathers shall be your what? Sons whom you shall make princes 
in all the earth. Yes, God is his, um, concerned and, and he cares about fathers, but he's also concerned about sons. And it says, whom you shall make princes in all the earth. Verse 17, I will make your name to be remembered. Here we go again. In what? all generations therefore the people shall praise you forever and ever see if God's kingdom is going to be forever then it's going to take not just my generation but it's going to take the next generation and God is a God of generations God is interested in my seed he's interested in Caleb and Micah he's interested in Steve's kids and all of your kids grandkids Because he wants his kingdom to be established forever. And if that's the case, it's going to take every generation knowing about our Creator and about God. All right? You understand that? Now look at Psalm 78. Psalm 78. I'm giving you some scripture that I'm going to read to you because I've been on a book called Endangered Masculinity by Dr. Clarence Boyd, Jr., endangered masculinity, and I want to give you some statements that he gave, but I want to lay a foundation here of Scripture. Psalm 78, because this is a Scripture that I've always been drawn to. Let's read it in verse 1. It says, Give ear, O my people, to my law. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old, which we've heard and known, and are what? Our fathers have told us we will not hide them from their children, telling to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and His strength and His wonderful works that He's done. For He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which He commanded our fathers that they should make them known to their children. So do you see something? Fathers are what? They're commanded to make known the things of God, that the generation to come, verse 6, might know them, the children who would be born, that they may arise and declare them to their children, that they may set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep His commandments, and may not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that did not set its heart aright and whose spirit was not faithful to God. There's a scripture, you don't need to turn there, but let me read it to you because you've heard this scripture before in Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 6. It states, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. Then in 2 Timothy, the last scripture, 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 2, it says, And the things you have heard, the Apostle Paul states, The things that you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. So, how many of you are fathers? Grandfathers, okay. You and I have a responsibility to our seed. We have a responsibility to tell our seed about our God, our Creator, about Jesus. So then when they get older, they're going to tell their what? Children. 
Okay? That's why it's so important that we... And the Jewish people are so good about relating stories uh, about God and the history and the Old Covenant where they go over all the different character, principal characters. So those kids are raised in a home. They're being taught the Scripture. And it's so important. Fathers must be committed to teach their sons, not just sons, but their sons and daughters, the truths of God's Word and their role in fulfilling His will. So you have a responsibility... I have a responsibility. Let me ask you this. How many have ever blown it as a father? I know your kids are gone. Some of your kids... We've all made mistakes. And so this morning, I want you to realize God realizes that. He's a God of grace. He's a God of mercy. He's a loving Heavenly Father. He knows there's times that we sin and we do do screw up when we're raising our kids. But what we need to do is just confess our sins, and He's faithful and just to forgive us, we move on. The mistakes you made with your kids, you won't make them with your grandkids, right? We should learn something, okay? Now, if you have your Bibles, Joshua, Joshua, chapter 24. This morning what I want to do is address leadership gaps. Everyone say it. Leadership gaps. We'll understand here after we read Joshua chapter 24 and verse 29. This is the death of Joshua. It says, It now came to pass after these things that Joshua the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died being 110 years old, And they buried him within the border of his inheritance, which is in the mountains of Ephraim on the north side of Mount Gosh. And listen, verse 31, this is what I want to highlight. Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua. Let me read that again. Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, who had known all the works of the Lord which he'd done for Israel. So we're, 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 you're going to see something happen here. Now look over at Judges chapter 2. Judges chapter 2, just over a few pages. Again, this reiterates the death of Joshua in verse 7. It says, So the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great works of the Lord which he'd done for Israel. Now Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died when he was 110 years old, and they buried him within the border of his inheritance in the mountains of Ephraim on the north side of Mount Gosh, Now listen in verse 10. This is what I want you to see. And when all that generation had been gathered to their fathers, another generation arose after them who did not know the Lord, nor the work which he had done for Israel. See, now that's that's critical. That's important. Joshua died. All the, the elders of his generation died. Well, then who was left to tell them about the works of the Lord? See? 
And so this is where we see a generation gap. Now, listen to Dr. Boyd and what he says. He says, sons and daughters were always meant to be taught lovingly by a father. God established order through creation. The father is responsible for order in the home. It is the responsibility of the father to impart life and vision to his sons and daughters. Sons will never mature into godly men without the wise counsel of fathers. Therefore, it is possible. Now, this is what I mean about a generation gap. Therefore, it is possible to lose an entire generation as a result of a leadership gap. Now, think about that. If you and I as fathers don't put into our kids and and help them build godly character in their lives and, and don't put life and vision into them, when they grow up, what are they going to put into their kids? They're not going to put life and vision into their kids if we haven't done it and put it into our kids. Therefore, he says, it's important. It's possible to lose an entire generation as a result of a leadership gap. Whenever there's a lack of leadership and impartation, the next generation will lose direction. Do you think there's a generation out there that doesn't have much direction right now? Uh Uh-huh, I think so. Men must lead because they will be held accountable. Men must lead because they have been given a designated role in the family. Their position and place represents the purpose of God, and His purpose will prevail. God anoints men who truly understand His plan and purpose in the earth. Now, he goes on to say, he says, One of the consequences of of a leadership gap, is rebellion against established authority. If there is a father absent in the home, children will look elsewhere for a father's touch. That means, and and maybe some of you were raised in a home where you didn't have a father figure. How many, if you don't mind me, how many didn't really grow up having a father figure? One, one of us here. Well, I'll tell you something, there's more than that. There's more than that in, even at Harvest Church. How many of you grew up with a father figure? How many... Now, let, now I'm going to go on one more. How many of you grew up with a good father figure? Okay. Manhood must be both taught and caught. Why, why, why do you think in the inner cities a lot of these young men join gangs? Because they don't have a father at home. And there's something in a young man that desires to be fathered. There's something in a young man or or even a a young woman that they they desire to be mentored. They desire to be led. They desire to be loved by their natural father. He goes on to say, he says, the ability to create a baby does not qualify one as a man. (laughs) Okay? The ability to create a baby does not qualify one to be a man. The test of manhood is the ability to raise children to be an example. 
mature, nurturing them to a place of maturity where they're not confused about their identities or purpose. Now, how many of you, how many of you think, how many young men and young women are out there and confused about their identity? If you don't know if you're a man or a woman, you're confused about your identity. And I'll guarantee you, these, that generation, there's people out there like that that they, they weren't raised in a home where they were nurtured, where they were loved. Now, maybe not all of them, but I would, I would venture to say that a great majority of these confused young men and women didn't grow up and they weren't parented. Okay? He says, um, men must have a leader. Because they learn to lead by example. A true man will be known by his character. First, he will be known by his outpouring of the Lord within him. God is always with men who represent his order in the earth. When a man submits to the authority of the Father, he will be blessed. When a man surrenders his will to the will of his father, he will experience increase. Now, if you're raised, say you're a young, young man or young woman, and you're raised in a household where your parents are rebelling against authority, and, and they, they're not, they don't even understand the kingdom of God, and they're rebelling against God, what do you suppose those kids are going to be like when they grow up? How are they going to look to authority? They're going to rebel. They're going to resist it. You know, look at the 60s and the 70s. Was there any rebellion? I was part of that in the 70s. Fortunately, I had a father and a mother that, that uh, they weren't perfect parents, but they, they definitely loved me. They definitely provided for me. They took care of my, they, my natural needs. They knew what, it, what I had to do growing up, and they, they provided for me. But a lot of young people during that time, they rebelled against authority. My father's business partner had a son. Now, he turned out all right, but in the 60s, he grew his hair out long, and I'll never forget that. I was a little boy at the time, and, and my father's business partner was so upset because he had hair down to here, typical hippie, and decided he's going to hitchhike all over the nation and ended up in the state of Washington and, and, and worked in, in the logging industry for a period of time. But they never even knew where he was. And so you look at that, and, and you wonder, men... Maybe maybe fathers aren't so much rebelling and are resistant to authority. But let me use this word. Maybe fathers just don't care. Maybe they're apathetic. Maybe they're indifferent. Maybe they were raised by a father and mother. Now, I was raised German. How many were raised German background? My folks were very stoic Germans. They never showed me any... Never hugged me. I can remember, and it must have scarred me because I can remember vividly, a little boy, little boy, little, I must have been a toddler, in a crib. And it was in my parents' room, and, and I can remember, uh, you know, wanting my mother's attention, and, and I'd want her to hold my hand, and she wouldn't even hold my hand. 
See, we can't. We we got to understand. There's a generation, and the Germans are are that way. They don't show emotion. And so you're raised that way where you're not showing emotion. And that doesn't mean I don't show emotion. But you know, even in my family, we don't hug that much. And I think a lot of it is just the way we were raised and conditioned, you know. And that doesn't mean I don't love my kids. And yeah, I do hug them, you know, once in a while. But, but we need to. Now, as a baby, they were nurtured and they were loved and they they turned out all right. But what I'm saying is, you know, as a little boy, I can remember not receiving that affection that I craved and I desired. I don't know, maybe you weren't raised that way, okay? Um... Man must accept the responsibility to impart to their sons and daughters what it really means to be a a man or a woman of God. Every father must be committed to teach his sons the truths of God's Word and their role in fulfilling His will. Okay? Now, one thing that's gone on the last few years, how many of you ever heard of Duck Dynasty? These guys and... and, uh, uh, have written books and and uh, they of course they have profited, but they're, they're men of God and and uh, came from a very dysfunctional background. Some of them, but uh, the patriarch and I can't think of his name. What's his name? Phil. Phil. Grew up very dysfunctional, beat his wife and you know, but got saved. But now he has made it his, his life's purpose to impart to another generation the importance of serving God. And uh, that's what we need. So, you know what? It's never too late to get it right, is it? Uh-uh. Never too late. Men can only find fulfillment in allegiance to their true king. God is a generational God... And often the purpose for a man's life is to be fulfilled in his seed. I, I really think that's important. The purpose for a man's life is to be fulfilled in his seed or by others into whom he has imparted vision. This is why leadership is so important. How many of you remember David, King David, and who was his son? Solomon. Now, did King David... He, was, he wasn't a perfect man, was he? No, definitely not. But did he work at, at preparing Solomon for his role and his responsibility to be the, the next king? Sure, he did. That's important. Manhood is often, he says, misunderstood. It has been said that just because one is a male does not automatically mean that one is a man. Manhood is something that is achieved first as revelation from God. And if you and I are not brought up in a home where we're nurtured and where we're taught the plans and purposes of God, then we're not going to have any revelation of God. It requires an impartation that must be nurtured and then affirmed. Manhood must be both taught and caught. That's just like the anointing of God. Manhood must be taught and caught. 
Okay? So important. The test of manhood is the ability to raise children to be an example, nurturing them to a place of maturity where they're not confused about their identities or purposes. Men must have a leader because they learn to lead by example. Now, do you understand what I mean about a generational gap? If you're, and I look back, my folks, my mother and father, we were raised, I was raised in the Methodist church. My mother was a Lutheran, very Lutheran family. My father was a Methodist, and, and so when they got married, they, they got into the Methodist church. But um, I, was, I was raised in the Methodist church, but I, I didn't go. But yet they tried to instill into me the importance of, of going, going to church. Now, I don't remember ever having a Bible study with my parents, the greatest generation. I don't remember ever them opening a Bible and giving me a scripture. Never happened, never occurred. But I do remember that my folks worked hard. They were examples to me. My father and my mother worked very hard in their business. So I grew up not lacking for really anything in a uh, uh, you know, middle class, lower middle class household. But there, was, there wasn't anything spiritual put into me. But thank God I had parents that loved me and I remember their work ethic They were always there for me. But you know, pretty much, I don't know about you, Steve, my folks let me do whatever I wanted to do. I didn't have a curfew. And I can remember coming home just snockered where my buddies were carrying me to the front door. And all my dad would say to to my mother, just leave him alone. He'll learn his lesson. I grew up to be a little bit, of, a little more doting over my kids because I guess I was afraid they'd turn out like dad. But every point of my life, and, I, and you all know the story about how I woke up, my father was dead in bed when I was 21 years old, almost Micah's age. A part of me, you know, I was never, I was never the same. And I was always looking for a father figure. And there was a man at that point in, the, in my life that had moved to, to Fairbury where, where I grew up. And he had an antique business and he was the one. And he was a gruff old military. He'd been in battles, been wounded in battle. He could cuss with the best of them. And he took me under wing and he taught me the business. And I've always had a great respect for anybody in the military. But he'd bark out orders and yell at me. And, but there was, there's always something in me that wanted to be fathered. And so after I went to Bible school and, and um, got into the ministry, got into the church, God always, always strategically placed a godly man or minister in my life. 
and I've had more than one. The Bible says that we can't have many fathers, but I had a few fathers, that, that and one was Buddy Harrison, and he was the founder of Faith Christian Fellowships. That's where we started. Others were men like Ed Dufresne, and these guys are all dead now. One was a, a gentleman named Dick Mills, which back then I was in, I was probably 15, 20 years ago. He was quite a bit older. He would take time and mentor me and tell me some things and every step of the way. But then there came a day when there were no more fathers. These men are all gone. And some of my spiritual fathers fell, got caught up in, 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 in sin and lost their ministry and their ministries were greatly diminished because of their sin and, and that, that was hard on me too. But, but what, I'm, what I'm trying to tell you, I got enough and I gleaned enough from these men that took time to say an encouraging word, put their arm around me, telling, telling me I'll never forget you know, one one spiritual father said when we bought this bankrupt pop property, and it was Buddy Harrison, I showed him the property, and he looked at me, and he shook his head, and he says, I just don't see it. And I'll never forget inside of me, I just was totally deflated. Here was my father, spiritual father, the one that I looked up to telling me he just couldn't see this property as a church. Then another man named Ed Dufresne, a prophet of God, he came through and he looked at this property and he walked through this. He, he didn't say a whole lot. And he looked at me and he said, piece of cake. <laughs> right there I thought, I feel better now. But just a few words spoken to a young preacher made a difference. Now look at this property. Yeah, it's an old building, and we've, we've had to redo it. We're out of debt. Been out of debt for years. And yeah, we got a little bit we're paying off for this room here. But is it a good property? We've developed it. We, we're, we're making sure we're, we're taking care and, and of your kids, and they can be secure and protected. So I want you to see that it's really important what you and I say to our kids how we act in front of them. They see our lifestyle. Like I told you, my father wasn't a spiritual man until he got, was diagnosed with, with cancer. He got filled with the Spirit of God through a Catholic priest back in the 70s, spoke with tongues. That was a, a move of God. And then I saw something in my father that, that, that changed his life, and in me I wanted that. Now, what I want to do, I want to ask you, um, and I'm, I, I don't want to put you on the spot, but I don't, I don't think it will. Do you remember anything, and I'll, I'll tell you this, I'll tell you what my father taught me, and then I'll ask you, do you remember anything that your father, your natural father, told you or influenced you. Now, some of you guys are older, so it might have to take a bit to recall that, Larry. That was back in the 1800s, so, you know. Before that. <laughs> this is what I remember about what my dad told me. Wasn't a spiritual man. 
Now, I'm going to be a little crude. Can I, can I, without offending you? He said, son, keep it in your pants. And I, isn't that funny how you remember that? Keep, keep. Now, if you don't know what that means, guys, see me after the service. Son, keep it in your pants. The next thing he said, do everything in moderation. Did I do that? <laughs> no. I didn't do, do anything in moderation. And my father was a golfer, and he was an amateur. He was a very good golfer. And he said, son, if you want to play good golf, play with good golfers. Now, those are all the th- three things I remember my father telling me. Yeah. Now, is it, was it spiritual? No. But in, other, in other words, he's telling me, you know, mind my manners around the ladies. And I did grow up. I always respected the women. Okay? And, and then I always learned if I wanted to do something in life that was, you know, worthwhile and to learn, then I needed to hang around people that were up here and not down here. So you've got to instill into your kids, you know, if they want to accomplish anything in life, they need to get an education or they need to hang around people that are sharp, right? And, and so I remember these things my father told me. Not a lot, but I've never forgotten them. And so do you know what I've told my kids? Rich is laughing. Keep it in your pants. Well, you're a pastor. Well, I'm also a man and they're men. In other words, and they're not going to forget that. And if they want to accomplish anything in life, then they, they need to hang around the right people. Practical things. Now, I want to ask you, what do you remember about your dad or your father that, that made a difference in your life that you remember? Maybe you don't. Maybe you were raised by Germans like me. I don't know. Anybody? <clears throat> My father died when I was five, but I do remember hunting and fishing and helping him with the chores. And then my stepfather told me after I was starting to drive and stuff, he says, uh, well, if you get thrown in jail, don't call me. And I never forgot you... that. <laughs> See? Yeah. It's kind of the same way you know, our race, the same way that, yeah. you know. They weren't doting fathers. They just told us the way it was. Anybody else? Yes? Uh, I remember my dad telling me, act in haste and repent at leisure. (laughs) (laughs) And he frequently repented at leisure. Uh, Also, he he provided a good example of work. Was he a railroader? Yes. Yeah. And put stuff, put tools back, put things back. He was very orderly in the importance of order. Yeah, and do you need that in your line of work, don't you, to a degree? Yeah, and actually, <laughs> the older you get, it, the only way you can find things is you know where you put them. Yeah. Because that's your habit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you pick something. What, Larry, what did you get from your dad? I know you got... Lots. A lots, but give me one thing. Well, about the same thing. We, we worked every day and put things back. You worked? At the, at the farm. But do you see the... The everything these four guys right here have in common, their fathers what? Worked. Worked. And so we grew up with a work ethic. 
And never drank or smoked in your life. Well, so that's good. you, Larry, not me. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't smoke, but I did plenty of drinking. Okay. Any, anything else? Yeah. My dad wasn't a Christian, but his leadership abilities. Okay. Your dad, was he a businessman? Mm-hmm. What did he do? Insurance. Insurance, right. Okay. Yep. So you, you, you grew up, you saw his influence in a town mm-hmm. and other people. Yep. Touching people's lives every day. So you never forgot that. See? Not a spiritual guy. Didn't open the Bible with you either. Okay? So you learned something. Anybody else? If you want want something, you've got to work hard for it. Nothing's given to you. Yeah. So, and that's always been. If you want something, you've got to go get it. All right. All right. Don't expect it to be handed to you. Yeah. And he wasn't. He never. Never gave us anything. He never made it easy for wanted, you. you need, In fact, you, you just lost to, your papa. Yeah. Right. If you wanted a car, better get a job. <laughs> Good luck. You know, go get it. Yeah. But he, he never said, don't get one. It was always, go get it. If you want it, go get it. And Rich did. Yeah. Rich grew up, and you, you've been successful because yeah. your dad imparted into you that, that attitude. Amen. Anybody else? Put my put my tools away. Put, tools away <laughs> put your tools away. You know those th- those are maybe insignificant things to some people, but boy, I can remember my dad. My dad owned a shoe store, and he worked with a business partner, and then he bought out his business partner, and then a year later he died of cancer. Sad, sad story. But. I remember my dad, when I was young, he'd put me to work, I'd wash the windows, and he'd vacuum the floor, like clockwork. Every morning, he'd turn that key and open the door to that business, and he had a schedule, and he went through the schedule. You know? And my father, I remember, my father treated people, you know, he was in business, just like your dad. Treated people, you know, respected people, was nice to people. And, and my dad had a good business because he influenced people in the right way. So the thing is, if, if we as men, and I want you to understand and leave with this today, if we don't take the initiative to impart to our kids the things of God, and you don't have to shove it down their throat, how many of you want something shoved down your throat? You don't need to you know, push it down and, and make them comply. You want them to comply willingly, but you just need to love them. You need to be an example. You need to be there for them, you know. My, my father wasn't a perfect man. I, I don't know if I told you this story. He was a, a jazzy musician, and he grew up, he was in the army band and was very successful with music and and I'll never forget, he'd dress up, they had clown bands back then, they'd dress up as clowns, and I'll never forget my dad dressing up as a clown, and one time he came home, and, and I thought he was walking kind of funny. <laughs> and I, my mother said he had the flu. <laughs> my dad was drunk. <laughs> and, but that's one time he didn't take his own advice about doing everything in moderation. But towards the end of his life, he loved God and, and was dying, basically. And, and some friends in the Methodist church took him to Oral Roberts University, and I know Kathy was going to school then. Could have very well been there when my dad showed up. 
because she graduated in 78 and my dad died in 78. But I saw him, you know, grow closer to God and, and being more interested in the things of God. And, you know, so guys, if you've blown it, if you, it, don't blow up with your grandkids. And it's never too late to influence the next generation. Because if you and I don't, there'll be a leadership gap. If we don't give it to them, then they're going to go elsewhere and get some information that might not be godly. And it might influence their life in a negative way. But if we'll make the effort to speak into their life now, not control them, but love them, and uh, help them along the way and encourage them, it'll make a difference. Then there won't be a leadership gap. I'm not expecting a leadership gap in my family. Why? Because they've grown up. My boys have grown up. I've, I've never made them march into church with their Bible like some preachers do and sit them down on the front row and, and make little preachers out of them. If you know my boys, they're, they're more than likely not going to be pastors. <laughs> and you know what? So be it. Just do what they're called to be and be happy and fulfill their purpose. But... Uh, you know, they're going to grow up knowing their parents serve God, their parents love God, and it, you know, I'll tell you right now, Caleb and Kaylee are in Kearney, and they're in church. They're in church. They know how to tithe. They tithe. She, he married a Lutheran. I don't mean pick on Lutherans, Rich. He married a Lutheran, she, but she's born again, got saved. She had no idea what tithing was. But you know what? She gets it now, and they make good money. She's a nurse. That first, that tithe is the first check they write. You know how that makes me feel? Makes me feel good. That, that Kathy and I inst- not, weren't perfect parents, but we taught them how to tithe. We taught them the importance of a local church. So now, as they grow, grow and have kids, they're going to do the same. And Because God is a God of generations. Father, today... Thank you, Father. As men of God, we understand the importance of mentoring our kids, spending time with them, teaching them about the things of God. Lord, I thank you. I pray for the men here today a special grace to communicate to their children their love, communicate to their children, Lord, the things of God. And so, Father, I thank you. These men are godly examples in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, help us grow as fathers and grandfathers in the days ahead. And we pray, Lord, today for our seed. I pray for the the children represented here with these men and the grandchildren represented. Father, my declaration is they shall serve God. They shall advance the kingdom of God and fulfill their individual roles, their individual plans and purposes that you put in them, Father. They, everyone, shall hear the voice of the Good Shepherd daily and the voice of a stranger they'll not follow. I thank you, Lord, they hear that voice and they hear the voice 
of of their conscience, that still small voice, and they obey it instantly. Father, I pray that you loose godly men and women into the lives of our children and grandchildren in the days ahead to mentor them, to encourage them. So this next generation will not fail, but they'll continue to instill into their kids and grandkids the things concerning the kingdom of God. So thank you, Lord, for your grace and your mercy this day in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen, Amen, Amen. amen.